Amen. Thank you. Those moments where you take a drink of water and it goes down the windpipe. Because I was singing my heart out on that song. Were you singing your heart out on that song? Praise the Lord that sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. I moved within my spirit to to a place to, to realize I hope that song never gets old to me. I hope that it inspires each and every one of us to continue to get excited when we sing a song that says, How great is our God. How great Thou art. Many of us have a Savior. I don't know what that could be. It could be idols. It could be Facebook, technology, whatever it might be. But I know I have a living Savior who is Jesus Christ. And we get to celebrate this wonderful season of Lent together. You know, this is kind of a topic that uh, in a non-denominational evangelical New Testament church, it's not expressed. What is Lent? All of life has rhythm. There is birth, there's growth, and strength. And then weakness, decline, and death. There is work. And then there is rest. There is waking and then sleeping. Then waking again. Day and night. There's activity and energy and noise during the day. And then silence at the night. There is planting, nurturing, and harvesting. And then dying back. There's spring. Thank you, Jesus. There's summer. Fall, and then, yes, it's winter. But then, spring again. But 2022, in America, we have largely obliterated that rhythm. We only want new life and growth and strength, and we abhor weakness and decline. We greatly value work, but not rest. We attempt to function on as little sleep as possible. and We extend the activity and energy and noise of the day as far into the night as possible. We see the rhythm of the seasons, and we respond with an eagerness to escape. Our winter by doing what? Traveling to somewhere else other than Ohio, to that tropical environment called Florida. My place I love going to. Now, I'm not complaining about seasons year-round or about electric or I'm not complaining about lights or about the idea of a midwinter escape to a tropical climate. I value those things and see many positive consequences, but I do contend that we have lost, we have lost the rhythm of life, the natural God-ordained rhythm, which grounds us in God's goodness and provisions, which accepts night and day, noise and silence. 
growing and dying back. Summer's warmth and then winter's cold. Instead, we expect constant growth, constant progress, ever-increasing productivity. If last month we sold 100 units, this month we should sell 110. Last year we earned 40,000. This year we should earn 45,000. If we harvest 25 pounds of tomatoes yesterday, we should harvest 30 tomorrow. And we view the world through a linear lens, expecting life to be a straight line up and then to the right. Anything else is cause for alarm. Right there is a huge problem. The amount of stress from that expectation of constant growth is immense and incredibly destructive. Observing the seasons of the church year is one attempt to ground us in the rhythm of God and of salvation. We spend four weeks walking towards Christmas, preparing and then reaching the climax of what? Of Jesus' birth as God and man into our world. And that is good. And it brings us back every year to the incredible humility and kindness of God to us. And we spend five weeks Walking towards where? Up the Via Della Rosa, to the place of the cross, to the place of death, and the place of the resurrection. And we call this season Easter. And this being the second Sunday of Lent, we realize that as we celebrate Easter, And the climax of Jesus' resurrection and victory over sin, death, and the devil. All of that is good. It brings us back every year to the cross and yet to the empty tomb. To the power and freedom and forgiveness and new life that God offers to us in Christ. And I'm glad that I get this time to be able to just stop and reflect. I told my wife, I said, it's difficult sometimes to to embrace, you know, how's this going to look? And I was uh, out yesterday, and I was by myself, and I kept hearing, I told her the other day, I said, I believe that as we finished this season of building better relationships, I said, I believe that God is stirring my heart called turning towards. And yet, I kept reflecting on a way to the cross, the focus on the cross, because every year and every Christmas season, we hear the same narrative. Not that I want to give a different twist. I don't believe that we need to because there's hope in Jesus Christ. See, that's the message. The gospel message is still the same. Even though it's 2,000 years later, it's still the same. Yet, we have to make it applicable to our daily life. So we stand against and again to the empty tomb. To live in the victory, to rejoice and celebrate. Like we have never done before because we see that life conquers death. Hope conquers despair. And forgiveness conquers guilt. Freedom conquers slavery. And then choose to live in life. I'm going to talk to you today about turning towards. Turning towards the face of God. And I woke up this morning and God kind of stirred within my spirit and said... 
go to Exodus, go to Exodus. So I went to Exodus chapter 3 and I wrote Jay and Pastor Luke and I said, I want to read the text today because I believe that this season, as we look back in the Old Testament, we see the hand of God and we see deliverance. And if you've come in here today and maybe you're dealing with some type of addiction, maybe you're hurt, maybe you have a habit, maybe there's some type of fleshly hang-up that you have, I want you to know that there's deliverance with our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Exodus chapter 3, if you'll follow with me, and it talks about the voice of God. It says that now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of the Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now what I think is so cool about this text is that it said mountain of God. It gave me kind of chills. Where would you go if you said, I want some quality time with God? You would find the sanctuary of prayer. You'd find the sanctuary of praise. You want to be in a community because this is where you're at. Very difficult for me to say, I'm going to go meet God at the local McDonald's kids zone area. Be a little difficult with all the noise and everything that's going on in there, right? Or, you know, I'm going down to the race as I hear these cars rumbling by me, all the noise. I'm going to get alone and quiet with God. Most of the time, it's in a silent, solitude place. I love that in the scriptures, not once, but you'll notice he says, the mountain of God. Now, let's continue to keep reading. So in verse 2, it says this. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked. And behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Then verse 4, it says, So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. For the place that you're standing is holy ground. So watch. Mountain of God, the angel of the Lord, holy ground. Three significant things. Okay? So now we're experiencing an intimate relationship with God. Why is church important? Because you're coming to a place where we have all something all in common. And that is to raise our hands and to sing, How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. How great is our God. He is our everlasting God. Heal our land. So we come together in one accord to worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the other sites they were seeing. 
I just had to throw that in there. That was the name. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you, and see what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt and to the land of the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites and Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice and you shall come. You and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. In your Bible, go ahead and just circle favor if you would. That's called, he will give grace in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. I love this story. Because you see, it wasn't a bunch of people that were there. It wasn't a multitude of people. It wasn't a great crowd of people. It was Moses, the angel of the Lord, and God. They were present. And Moses started communicating in light of everything else that was going on. See, much like Moses, if you continue down through Exodus chapter 4, His faith starts to weary. See, this is what happens. When you get alone with God and you're silent with God, God can start to speak to you. But when you're busy and you're doing all the talking, you're not doing much listening. Moses continued to say throughout the whole thing, here's what he said. Do you understand? I, 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 I,
It says in the Bible that he had a problem with speech. And here's what God said to him. Do you know who I am? I am the great I am. I am the great I am. I am Yahweh. Listen, what do I have to prove to you? Throw your shepherd's staff down and it turns into a snake. He said, now pick it back up. He went by faith. I don't know about you. I see Lincoln running around here with this Jurassic Park snakes around his neck. I said, before long, we'll have a message will be out. Do you know that church down there handles snakes? That'll be it for us. (laughs) Well, that's little Lincoln's fault. Anyhow, he likes his snakes. Hey, some of the kids even come around just because they like to see the snakes, right? The stuffed animal snakes, that is. Okay, I just want to make sure everybody knows that. But he threw the staff down and he said, by faith, pick it up. He picked it up. And Moses was still doubting him. I, I just, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, first of all, if this pulpit starts speaking, what are you all going to do? Run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right on cue, Melissa. Thank you. Anyhow, you'll run, right? But here's where we find that intimate relationship. He saw the potential in Moses. And he said, put your hand in your coat. He put his hand in there, came out. It was white. Put it back in, it was healed again, and he was whole. Then he said, but you don't understand. I have a speech impediment. Do you know I'm not worthy to deliver the children, your children, from the hand of Pharaoh, the scariest, baddest looking dude? He'll kill me. I'll be persecuted. I can't do this. See, when you have a can't do attitude, you'll never do anything. So in this, here's what we're doing through Lent. We're looking at this season as we march up to Golgotha, as we go through the Garden of Gethsemane, as we see the suffering of Christ, as we see the torture and the pain that he endured for us, we're going to stop and reflect on it's not about us over the next 30 days. It's all about our Savior, how great thou art. So as I woke up this morning, and it was in the middle of the night, God said, go to Exodus chapter 3, and then he brought to mind Moses. He said, Moses had a responsibility, and Todd, you have a responsibility. The church in Talmadge has a responsibility, and that responsibility is to preach the gospel in season, out of season, and let the world know that Jesus is alive and that he's risen. Oh, we've gotten to these great places where, but God, I can't preach that message because, see, it's not a... It's not a feel good. It's not, you know, articulated. You know, I need to make this so applicable because, you know, when you watch a lot of, uh, say, TikToks or you watch uh, social media, they have the lighting and the sets and they have all. We're so used to being entertained. I mean, think about it. I mean, I, I guess if I were to get up here and do the snake and do all kinds of things and put me on TikTok, maybe I have six million views. But that's me having six million views. Why don't we present the gospel of Jesus Christ and go by faith and see how many views we get? No, it wasn't popular for Moses to say, I'm not marching in there. I'm marching in there to do what? I can't even speak. He goes, good. Well, listen, when you think you can't do something, God will rise up somebody else. He'll raise up somebody else to do what needs to get done. So he said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give Aaron... Some responsibility. Your little right hand, your armor bearer, your, your, your guy who's right there with you. Listen, he's now going to go in with you. He can do all the talking. 
You stand there with your staff. You lead them out of exile. He says in his word that it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Funny that it was just such a small little gathering thing that just took years and years and times and months. And you know why? Because that's what happens to us. I don't know how old you are. I don't know where you're at in your journey, what your timeline looks like. But I'm only here to tell you, church, don't waste time. Time is short. Life is but a vapor. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow. Listen, we have to understand what our responsibility is and then grab a hold of it and embrace what this is. But I saw something in this. I really believe that Moses needed to repent. Moses needed to repent. Point one, a season of repentance. Did you write that down? Let me just pray real quick and then we'll finish today. Father, we thank you so much for you being with us. Father, I pray that you'll encourage us today, minister to us today. Father, teach us something from your word. God, I thank you for this season of, of pause, of quiet solitude. Help us, God, to walk with you. Help us to serve you. Help us to honor you and praise you. God, open up our hearts today. Deliver us. God, there's somebody in this room that, that's dealing with really something very strong in their life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I pray deliverance over this individual. Deliver them from addiction. Deliver them from the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Lord, whatever it might be, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind Satan and we ask for deliverance today. Have thine own way, Lord, and we come just as we are. In your name we pray. Amen. A season of repentance. The season of Lent is a season of repentance. And repentance is one of the major themes of the Bible. In fact, it was the message that everyone in the New Testament preached. So let me show you here today. Here's what it says in Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in Matthew chapter 4 it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And we continue in Acts chapter 2. Where it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts twenty twenty one, it says, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Preach repentance. Preach that people should repent. But what actually is Repentance. It's pretty clear that repentance is an important thing. But what actually is it? Let me give you a definition. It is to change one's way of life as the result of a complete change of thought 
an attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. In the particular dictionary I use for that definition, there's a footnote which says the focal feature is clearly behavioral rather than intellectual. There's another word closely related that interjects the emotional component that of sorrow and remorse over sin. And so we see that repentance includes all areas. It means a complete change of thought and attitude. It means sorrow, but mostly importantly, it means to change one's way of life. To change one's way of life. Repentance actually means to do what? To live differently. How many of you want to live differently? Praise the Lord. How many of you want to walk with the great I am? Praise the Lord. We're all there. It means true repentance. Now, because Lent is a season of repentance, our task is to examine ourselves under the light of the Holy Spirit and under the light of the Holy Scriptures. And then to repent of the sin that we will discover and change our way of life in those areas. And our motivation comes from the event to which we look forward, namely the cross and the empty tomb. We prepared, we are prepared to celebrate our Lord Jesus' death and resurrection by doing what? By seeking to conform our lives to the forgiveness and new life that we find. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit in being conformed to the image of Jesus. So we need to change our current lifestyle and change from it. You heard me say in the message, if I'm walking this direction, it says we need to turn. That doesn't mean we do this. And I think sometimes we flirt with sin. We do one of these numbers. You know, we're always just looking over our shoulders. No, what he's saying is I want you to physically turn and turn towards the voice of God. Turn towards So here it is, turning towards, often because of the nature of this season of Lent. It's so funny because I've been the pastor for 17 years. I've never referred to the word Lent before. I always just say the way of the cross or, you know, as we look at journeying with Christ to the cross. But it's, it's been amazing for me because I believe that God is stirring within my spirit. What is Lent and how does that look? And like I said, in most evangelical churches, they don't focus on Lent and Ash Wednesday and so on and so forth. But I thought this was necessary. When Lent comes around, people make all these, these sacrifices. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to do that. There's all of these things that they sacrifice in regard to Lent. Most of us do what? We end up focusing on sin and on the sin in us. So that we might repent. However, as I've thought and prayed about what is the best way for us to observe Lent as a church this year, I've decided that we need to shift that focus just a little. Instead of focusing on the sin or what we are turning from, we're going to focus on what we are turning towards. Do you hear me? We're going to focus on, now follow with me, we're going to focus on what we're turning towards, which in the big picture is God. 
Our focus is God. For example, turning towards truth and away from lies. Turning towards hope and away from despair. Turning towards truth and freedom and away from slavery. Towards love and away from apathy. Okay, but, but what are you saying, Pastor Todd, and how, how can we do this? So then the next question I ask is this. What would keep us from this changed life? What would keep us from this changed life? What might prevent us from the season, this rhythm of self-examination and repentance and preparation for Easter? I think there's a simple answer. Time. It takes time. Of course, it takes other things too, like courage and an honest look at ourselves and a willingness to let our hearts be broken by the things in us that break the heart of God. But we will never get there unless we give God the time. And the space. So here's my challenge to each and every one of us. Declutter your life from now until Easter. If you're a hoarder in here, and I don't know what that even looks like. My wife's looking at me. Here's an advertisement for you. We were down in the basement yesterday. And uh, she gets rid of stuff. And I hold on to it. And I still can't understand why I still have my freshman high school papers in a bin. Because I said someday my daughters are going to want to see those papers. They never ask me. They're all graduates. And nobody cares about those stupid papers. But I have to hold on to them. Because somebody special needs them. The clutter. Declutter your life from now until Easter. I'm trying to, to get rid of some stuff since we're moving. Declutter my bins and bins of junk. And that's what it is. Junk. I look at this in reference to our own life. I think many of us have some things that we've been harboring. I think there's some things down deep inside our heart and our life that we need to declutter. We need to let go of. We need to let God have full control. You know, we sit there and say we have faith in God. But like Moses said, but, 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 but I, I, I can't speak. I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. I used to say back when I was younger, I can't get in front of people and talk. You understand, I have IBS. I'll, I'll get up there. Next thing I'll know, I'll be falling over, running out, sprinting out to the toilets and all kinds of stuff. I'm just being transparent for you. I mean, but you know what I had to do? I had to say, God, I put all my faith and trust in you. You spoke to me and I'm trusting in that. You revealed yourself to me, and I'm trusting in that. You've shown yourself to me, and I'm trusting in that. And that's what Moses had to do. He had to trust that what he saw, what he heard, and move by faith and say, I know my God is greater than I am because he is the great I am, and he is the everlasting God. Commit to giving God 30 minutes of your day. Some of you are ready to tune me out actually right here, and you're probably thinking, 30 minutes? That's a long time. 30 minutes of your day. Every day. You're probably asking, are you kidding me? He's probably joking. 30 minutes? You know what that takes? Do you know you prayed for one minute? It seemed like it was 17 minutes. Now you're asking to give 30 minutes. Just think about this. 30 minutes. 
Where would I find that kind of time? Let me give you a rather bluntly reply. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Don't you think that it is worth a half an hour of your day for the next 30 days to commit as a church to prayer? And I'm going to conclude with this. Turning towards the voice of God. To be really practical, I want to challenge you to turn towards silence. Now listen to me closely because this is where it's going to come real for all of us. Get rid of the noise, the external stimuli, so that you can hear the voice of God calling to you, offering you love and a life of freedom. Unplug, turn off, and listen for God. Use that time of silence in whatever way your spiritual pathway leads you. Maybe it's to, to walk in nature, to read your Bible, to sit in uh, some type of prayer or prayer room and just really reflect on him and, and know that he's God. I love what Psalms 46.10 says. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Do you think today that God wants the world to know that He still is the King of kings, that He is the Lord of lords, and that He is the Savior to the world? Do we believe that, church? Then we've got to believe that God is capable to show us in those still quiet moments what He could do. Follow me in the Scriptures. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20 says, But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. And then in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 13, Be silent all flesh before the Lord, for He is aroused from His holy habitation. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Hallelujah. Can you give up the noise? Will you give up the noise for Lent and see what God might be trying to call you towards? Listen and watch closely and think about the silence as I play this video in this room. And I want you to experience not just I go to church, but I'm with the Lord and I walk with the Lord. I want you to silence the noise. I was reading about this guy named Bernie Krause who records nature sounds for film and television. And he was saying that in 1968, in order to get one hour of undisturbed natural sound, like no airplanes, no cars, 
It would take him about 15 hours of recording time. And he was saying that today, in order to get that same one hour of undisturbed sound, it takes him 2,000 hours of recording time. It reminds me of the story of one of the great Jewish prophets, Elijah, who's been going and going, and he's just about at the end. I mean, he's just totally stressed. He's totally fried. He doesn't even know if he wants to go on. And God says, Elijah, go up on the mountain because I'm going to show up. And so Elijah goes up on the mountain. And so this wind comes on the mountain, and it like shakes the mountain violently, but God isn't in the wind. And then there's this earthquake, but God isn't in the earthquake. And then like this massive fire covers the mountain, but God isn't in the fire. And then comes the still, small voice of God. Now, there's all this discussion about what exactly this, this voice is. Because some people think that the actual Hebrew word doesn't even refer to a sound that you could like hear with your ears, like an audible noise. And so some translators translate the phrase that God was in the sound of sheer silence. God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the fire. God was in the silence. What is reverence? What is silence? Thank you, church, for reverencing and listening. Isn't that amazing? I think for many of us, we struggle with don't move, don't say a word. But if many of us were more focused on the silence, because I actually struggle within my spirit. Do I play this? Is it going to be awkwardly weird? And I want you to know that it was profoundly amazing. As we rise to our feet, if you'll stand with me, please. I love the hymn that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. It says, O soul, are you weary? And are you troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. His word shall not fail you, He promised. Believe Him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying His perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. O church, are you weary? O church, are you troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. So let me tell you to just turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Let us pray. Father, in your word it says, be still. So, Father, in this room, we honor you. We reverence you. God, we're sorry. We're sorry we live in a world that has forgotten 
who still sits on the throne. We've forgotten what faith is like. We have forgotten because of our inadequacies and insecurities. Lord, how great you are. And so, Father, sometimes in our hyper-anxiety, we do all the talking and less listening. God, this morning, in the next 30 days as we commit to praying, For many of us, that ten minutes was a struggle to be quiet. But God, I'm listening. Lead us. Direct us. Show us. Lord, help us to turn towards Calvary. Turn towards the voice of God. God, as we turn towards You, may the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of Your glory and grace. Father, if there's somebody here today that needs You, may they come to this altar and accept You as Lord and Savior. May they recommit their heart and their life. May you deliver them today. In Jesus' holy name we pray.